Droppbuske. Mm. She's just eating a biscuit. She's just eating a biscuit. Finishing biscuit, for goodness sake. <laughs> Got Jess Biscuit Holland on the podcast. That's just your artist name. It's Biscuit. DJ Biscuit. Got Tom Haven now. We got Jess Biscuit. But it's brilliant. Perfect. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Unmuted Unmastered, the music podcast, which is probably more nutritional than a rotten apple because, you know, it hasn't got worms and it won't give you any food poisoning or worms. Uh, my name is Tom. With me this week is Jess. Hello. And James. Hello there. What a flying start. Yeah, I was going to say that's quite a start, isn't it? Our fourth leg, Will, is not with us this week. Will, hopefully we'll see you next week. On the show this week, uh, UK festivals are calling for uh, a COVID cancellation scheme. They want some insurance in case they need to um, cancel late. Also, albums with lyrics not in English. Do you need to understand the lyrics to understand what's going on? Do you understand the lyrics? Uh, and do you know what's going on? Uh, I've also got a review of Kira Kira Benito coming up. We've got a game, courtesy of our resident game master, Jess. And we have also got the upcoming releases for this week. So, shall we start with what we've been listening to? Any volunteers? Jess? James? Anyone desperate to jump in there and tell me what you've been listening to? So, this week, I have been listening to Charmed by DJ Sabrina the Teenage DJ, which is one of the best names I've ever heard, I think, for an artist. It Um, is terrific. Yeah, I just, I think it's having a DJ in there twice. Is really what makes it. Um, so this the name is definitely what first caught my attention on this artist. And then looking into her a bit more and seeing that she seemed to make music based around 90s and early noughties magic-related TV shows. Oh, man. Very specific. I know I had to give it a chance. So, um, so Charmed is her fifth and I think final album in this series under this theme. It came out in November last year. And I went to listen to it a while back initially, but then I saw that it was over three hours long, uh, which I hadn't really planned for. So I put it off until a bit later. But having finally listened to it now, I can say that the runtime is actually surprisingly manageable. Um, This is because it broadly comes under the umbrella of house music, um, what you might call even outsider house, some people. Uh, If you consider it as almost a DJ set, then it makes a lot more sense being that long. It's split into 31 songs, but it flows between them pretty continuously. Um, the lines between each one isn't, aren't really very clear. The elements sort of come and go in waves rather than aligning necessarily at each track. And it doesn't really stick to you know typical song structures. So it's because of this, you end up getting quite sucked into it. And to be honest, I could quite happily listen to it in the background for a long time. I think I, I did manage to listen to it all the way through on the first listen, pending a couple of breaks quickly, but... Yeah, three hours wasn't quite so intimidating when I actually got into it. Um, it has some, it has like does have standout moments, but these are just individual moments or like a section as a whole rather than necessarily certain songs because it's kind of so changeable constantly. Um, overall, it's kind of very sample heavy house music, like I said, but it doesn't only have samples from other songs. It also has samples of 
people talking, I think from TV shows, um, other sound effects like a phone ringing, people swimming in a pool. Um, and actually the, the music samples themselves are like quite minimal. They're not really, it's not copying or supposed to be remixing old songs. It does have a very unique sound of its own. And all the other samples are just really great for encapsulating the sort of moods and the overall aesthetic, I guess, that DJ Sabrina is going for. So this is kind of echoed in everything else around around her as an artist. Like the album covers are characters from TV shows remade in what looks like paint. Um, the artist's bio is completely in character and it just talks about Sabrina from the TV show making music and then the cat Salem uh, jumping on the keyboard and sending it off onto Bandcamp or whatever. Um, and normally I wouldn't bother going into other aspects like this and it wouldn't really be part of my uh, experience of it. But in this case, just because you can tell it's done out of such a genuine love for this pop culture and and just like the total commitment to it, I feel like it actually really added to my listening experience because I was just overall sucked into the whole, yeah, that's aesthetic she was trying to create. Um, so yeah, the overarching feel is definitely more of a celebration of these 90s magic-related TV shows. Um, and it's a positive and very warm and positive thing to listen to rather than just being like an ironic um, throwback. It's done out of, yeah, love for it. I found it quite uplifting and quite nostalgic because even though I haven't specifically watched Charmed that this is named after, I did grow up in the early 2000s, so it was very reminiscent of that era as a whole. Uh, I'm so just, just looking through. I'm just looking through the Spotify profile now, and it's like I've I've fallen in love instantly. I, I love know. everything that this is about. It's endearing, isn't it? It is so. It feels wholesome. It feels very wholesome. Which yeah, that's exactly. I don't get it. a lot these days. That's exactly it. It doesn't just feel like it's a joke, um, despite it obviously being kind of not serious either. But it is genuine. Um, so yeah, to sum up, I guess I. I did really enjoy this album, actually. I've listened to it a few times already. I think it's going to be on my rotation for a while and I need to check out her other albums as well at some point um, in the Pentology, I believe it's called. So, yeah, that is Charmed by DJ Sabrina, the Teenage DJ. Best name ever. I will admit I have already put it on my um, saving list. I've got a free hour train journey later. I reckon I could probably get through that. Perfect. I reckon. So I think that's my listening for this evening sorted. James, what have you been listening to? So this week I've been listening to um, Joanna Wang, Love Is Calling Me. So this album is, uh, it's just a load of covers for like 60s to 80s kind of love songs. Um, She's a Taiwanese American artist. So these songs are actually in Cantonese, Mandarin, and Japanese. So these are just like covers and they're translated into these languages, but it feels, it doesn't feel like it's translated. It feels like the original. It feels like it's supposed to be there. And like the album just got me really excited because I, I guess I don't really listen to this sort of music normally, but she made these tracks sound so beautiful and so amazing. But like, after listening to this album, I listened to her, uh, her other albums, and it's just so it's like so different. Like her, m- the main difference is that they're mostly in English, and her music's kind of like a, just a page of her ideas, 
it's just you you go through the album and it's just maybe there's a 15 second track somewhere maybe there's a three minute track somewhere and it's just like sounds like she's having fun she's enjoying it she's like there's one track called if i find it in her album modern tragedy which is like her uh kind of a love song album but it's it's pretty crazy um there's a there's a track called sabrina don't get married again and it's just saying sabrina don't get married again and saying sabrina why are you with this guy just don't do it don't do it again and there's just loads loads of songs like that it's just kind of like tongue-in-cheek and it's just like a really fun album and like she has she has other albums like that as well but there are more serious albums like i mentioned for love is calling me she does have a alice in the wonderland album which i guess goes through songs either to do with Alice in the Wonderland or that was in it and other albums that are based off other, I think, Asian culture films. But I think it's mostly covers, I think, but she just, she just makes them her own. And I got really excited when I uh, stumbled across her, really. It's just everything you listen to is just, it's really enjoyable, even if it's a cover. Um, but her own stuff is really fun too. It, like, there's two separate worlds, but they're, equally as good so yeah i would definitely recommend listening to her it does look quite fun and credit to you for getting all and for finding translations of all the song names because i'm kind of looking at it on spotify and it's like you know yeah i can't necessarily tell what is what here but <laughs> i i do love i must admit the cover art it does have the name in english on the cover art love is calling me but also has a slight aesthetic of like some indie ps1 game which is what i really love yes <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I really clung to that. Funny that you say games there because I just looked up on Wikipedia just to find out and it says major influences include uh, Oingo Boingo um, and oh. video game soundtracks, Castlevania, Zelda and Mario series. So that's oh interesting. Yeah, I think she's very into that sort of kind of pop culture and she just puts that straight into her music. And I think... As you're saying, Tom, the Love is Calling Me um, album art, I think that's very kind of recognisable as like Mando Pop. That's the kind of thing mm. they would like to do. Yeah. And yeah, I think the album art is, 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 so, is so awesome. Kind of looks like an anime, but kind of looks like a game as well. It's, yeah, it's cool. It could be both. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a game tie-in for an anime series. Maybe. Could be. But yeah, definitely recommend her. her there's probably a something for everyone in it. Even if you don't like one album, which is just crazy talking, her talking crazily, um, <laughs> there's another album which is calm and peaceful and some love songs. So, yeah, recommend. Yeah, I'm pretty intrigued. Might check it out later. Excellent. Thank you both. Um, for me, a fairly typical recommendation, a fairly mainstream recommendation, I suppose, Staying at Tamara's uh, by George Ezra from 2018. Um, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about how spring is starting to spring. Um, and I think it has sprung now because the weather is just lovely. And it's now at that temperature where like, I don't need a coat. This is now officially getting towards summer in my mind. I'm feeling much happier. I'm cheerful. This is great. I'm in a good spot. The definition of British spring is I don't need a coat. <laughs> that is so true. 
I don't need a coat. This is fine. So yeah, I, I'm over the moon at this. So I thought, well, I'm starting to revisit like a lot of my like summer classics, um, of which this is one. Um, now bear with me. It is George Ezra and the real gems. None of the singles are bad. Okay. They're, but they are definitely the weakest songs on this album. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Shotgun is a fun little song. It's fine, but it's been overplayed. Okay, it's the same with Paradise. It's a fun little song. It's been overplayed. The 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 real um the real value in my mind is in some of the other songs. Um couple of standout ones for me. Guess Away is track free. I don't know what it is. It just feels so bouncy and it feels so fun and it feels so joyous. I always I don't know. It's one of those songs where I get a really vivid image of like this car or this van or this big bus bouncing along the road, like some sort of like faux, you know, cartoon character bus. It's ridiculous, but it's also fantastic fun. I saw him play that song, uh, Isle of Wight, back in 2019, and it was amazing. The whole crowd was just bouncing along, and it was an amazing time. Uh, one of my personal favorites, um, probably though, is Sugarcoat. That's probably. Joint favourite, joint favourite probably with Hold My Girl. I talk about singles. Hold My Girl is probably the best song on this album, but we're going to gloss over that. It was a single. Um, but Sugarcoat is a very, very sweet little song. Uh, what were the lyrics to the, to the chorus? I don't even want to go out tonight. No, I've got you by my side. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. I make no bones about it. And you probably noticed by now, I love kind of sort of sweet, very twee lyrics. And that's just a very, very nice you know, hook, and it's a very, very nice little song to go with it. Um, it's nothing spectacular. It's not going to win a Mercury Prize. I don't think it did win a Mercury Prize. I'm going to be quite embarrassed if it did. Uh, but, you know, it's just great fun pop music. I could just throw that on in the car or on the radio when I'm on the train and just have a good time. If the sun is shining and I'm playing this, life is good. Life's good, man. Um, so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy revisiting this. I'm probably going to do it again. Staying at tomorrow's George Ezra. Yeah, you're definitely right, Tom. In in the sunshine, sometimes you just feel like some cheesy pop music, even if it's not cheesy, just pop music that you generally might not listen to, or I don't listen to really. Yeah, it's just it's just that feeling, isn't it? Yeah, even then, like I'm I'm a big fan of George Ezra anyway. I've always been a big fan. The 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 thing that bugged me the most about these albums was the singles because they were pretty weak compared to the rest of the album in my humble opinion. But then again, maybe that's just me being a George Ezra fan going, oh yeah, the singles are always the mo the worst songs that they put out. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's not even like it's like cheesy. It's just good, fun pop music. You know, I really would be quite happy if this was in every single, you know, TV advert throughout the summer. I can stand that because that's where it fits. You know, I've I can't remember if we said it here or whether it was someone else somewhere else. George Ezra is one of those ultimate barbecue artists. Yeah. You throw him on, just have a bit of a laugh and have a bit of chill time. And I like that. Yeah, I can see that to be fair. I would not mind being that guy. Okay. I would not mind being that guy. Just like, yeah, you put your music on for, you know, for the barbecue, for the beach, for wherever. Awesome. That's that's a that's a zone. That's a time. I love that. Okay, then we are going to take a quick break, and then we are going to move on to the news. And coming up later. Al
So here now with the news. Um, only one bit of news uh, this week. Um, the Guardian and I believe Music Business Worldwide is reporting that UK music festivals uh, are saying they need government help with insurance. Their insurance providers who, um, well, to be fair, if you put on an event, you need to have a contingency plan if things go horribly wrong and you can't put on the event, if freak weather puts it off, or if there is a major catastrophe, which means the event can't take place, you have an insurance policy, you pay a bit of money for it. If something goes wrong, the insurance company goes, no trouble, we're not going to, we'll, we'll, we'll pay out for you. We'll cover your costs. Um, what's happened this year because of COVID-19 is that lots of those insurance companies are going, this is way too risky. We are never going to cover you uh, this year. Maybe we'll think about it next year. But even when like everybody's fully, fully vaccinated, your premium's probably going to go up quite significantly. Um, so UK festivals are calling on the UK government to give them a bailout um, and to give them some help to make sure they can continue to function this uh, year, even if they don't get insurance payouts. Um, Boomtown has already cancelled this year 60,000 um, capacity festival, 66,000 capacity um, festival um, near Winchester and Shambhala. Um, no, sorry, Boom, Boomtown, 66,000 capacity festival near Winchester um, has already cancelled because they can't get a insurance policy. They've said, this is it. This is costing us six million quid. We can't put this on the line because we don't have the money to do it. Um, Glastonbury, of course, this year already said, I think they said very, very early on, we're not going to come back until 2022. Um and that's the line that they're sticking to. I don't know if that was insurance related or whether they thought this is just more sensible for us to leave the ground fallow and to um, not rush our way back to it. I guess they're probably the last one that will come back because like, I, they must be the biggest in the UK. Mm, you could be right there. Other ones, though, have taken a different line. Um, Reading and Leeds Festival have insisted that they are going ahead. I think they've booked Stormzy and they've booked, I believe, um, Liam Gallagher as their headline so far. They've probably got another one to announce. Um, it's going to be Liam or Noel Gallagher. It's one or the other. Um, but they have already said they're pushing ahead with or without insurance, whether they can get it or not. Um, credit to them. I worry that it may be uh, catastrophically bad if they can't get an insurance policy, if things do go bad. But good luck to them. I really hope they can pull it off. Um, but yeah, here we are. Music, the music industry festival organizers and promoters have been calling for several months for a government-based indemnity scheme. This would operate like a form of insurance by providing financial support if events were affected by the coronavirus crisis, similar to the film and TV production restart scheme announced last July. So I think it's part of that um, film and TV production restart scheme. Um, production companies were also given a payout if, for example, a half the cast got COVID in spite of their best efforts to stop them from getting so they would get compensated, um, not necessarily for the cost of the show or anything like that, but for the cost of people's wages and for um, the cost of hiring sets and so on and so forth. They basically want the same thing for the music industry. I am a little bit in two minds about this only because I kind of wonder if... <sighs> Festivals are bringing this on themselves by rushing back to restart. I, admittedly, there are probably a lot of um, factors at play here, not least of which money, need to get some cash flow, already lost a big year um, and a decent summer last year in 2020. Um, I dare say many of them want to get going again, but I kind of wonder if being cautious would have been far better for many festivals and said, actually, let's wait a bit, let's go for 2022 and let's restart then when things finally have blown over. Um, 
I appreciate that may not be the most popular opinion in the world, but that's also probably the one that I would take if I were in that situation, but I'm not in that situation, so I don't know what I would do. Um, I don't know if there's any strong opinions about this one way or the other, um, but that's my two cents on this issue. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like I, I kind of agree with you, Tom. Like if you're gonna, you should be cautious in in these times, even if it's like a few months down the line where we where we think everything's gonna be okay. I think caution is the thing to have. Having the government get the insurance kind of insurance scheme for you. I don't know. I don't know about it, but it does make. After I hear about the kind of TV restart, I guess it does make more sense. Why? Why wouldn't they do it for the festival when they've already done it for TV and film and whatnot? So, I don't know. I'm also in two minds for it, but really, I would want to have more caution on it. And if I were in their shoes, I would probably either delay it or deliver it in a different way maybe have a fewer capacity or mm. have i don't know uh i don't know online through tv or as a kind of virtual show it's it's always going to be a tricky one cuz um festivals particularly were always going to be like um i don't know i don't know what the best way to describe it would be but like, but like top tier in terms of public health you've got what could be 100,000 or more people in some fields, muddy fields, with not adequate hygiene for three days, intense, drinking beer, breathing on each other in close proximity. It's not exactly a, 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 it's not exactly a poster child for um, uh, self-care and hygiene. But then again, I think everybody accepts that when they go to a festival. So it's a tricky one. And also, the other thing to bear in mind is that I kind of want the festivals to get this funding and I want it to happen. Because if they don't, it's kind of more evidence to the fact that government and um, particularly UK government does not rank um, festivals and music and popular music and popular arts better than they do art galleries or, you know, higher theatres or ballet or drama. I've got nothing against them. I've got nothing against them at all. But those folks already have wealthy trust funds. They already do. There isn't that for 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 you know. I can't imagine Glastonbury having, you know, being being run by the estate of Colchester or whatever else. You know, is I don't see it. Yeah, on the hygiene front, I guess like being in the open air is a pro for festivals because mm. obviously that's better for redu- reducing the spread. But yeah, you're right that there isn't sort of running water. Um, well, you know, there's drinking water, but there's usually not like plumbing. Um, facilities on that way on the plus side again um yeah being at festivals um i was using hand sanitizer on the on the daily you know way before covid because you're just in the mud and the dirt and sensible you have no idea what's around so you're just constantly you've got your little like your little bum bag with your um with your hand sanitizer in it constantly and, and your little sort of nokia phone sensible very sensible so there's that yeah <laughs> and probably most of your friends hang ar- hung around you because you think okay jess prepared for this she knows what she's doing i'm gonna stick around her <laughs> yeah sometimes 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 they're like oh um this is way too organized i just want to go and be hedonistic for a whole weekend so leave you behind <laughs> either way is fine it is um to be fair there is one other element to this story which may be worth bringing in the government um uk government is currently testing I can't remember what the exact scheme is called, like the events feasibility study or something like that, where they are um, gradually testing and putting on larger events to see whether uh, methods like mass testing or uh, I think theoretically COVID passports could be 
um, a way of getting these big events off the ground. I think they have already done stuff with uh, the snooker, funnily enough. I think the Crucible in Sheffield played host to some of the first live uh, audiences that we've had to live sports events this year. That'd be fine, I'm sure, because it's so quiet in there, you're not even allowed to breathe, so... <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. You see what the spread would be. Just go in there and hold your breath, you'll be fine. Um, I think also uh, on the 1st May bank holiday, so in about a week from now, uh, we're going to get 4,000 people in at Wembley Stadium for the UEFA semi-final. I don't know my football. I think that's what the event is. But either way, it's going to be quite interesting to see you know, if that goes off without a hitch. If it does, that's great. But also for these festivals, they're still waiting on that information to see if they can actually fulfill their hope of for, for some of these festivals having more than 50,000, more than 70,000, more than 100,000 people in there, you know, uh, and I kind of wonder if that's a bit too risky. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's a good reason why they went for this in the first place, but I kind of wonder if this um, was too big a gamble. I wish them luck and I hope they can put everything on and it's all completely successful, but I, yeah, if I was in that position, I'd rather be more cautious about this and wait until the jury is uh, in, put it that way. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think I'd go on the side of caution, really. But at the same time, like, you know, this is in hindsight, or, you know, they would have been planning this a long time ago, even though it hasn't actually happened yet. They would have been planning it for a while. And so they may have had to make that call a while ago. So it's easy for us to be like, say now, oh, yeah, they should have just moved us next year. When it might have actually looked like it was the best scenario previously. But, yeah, I think, I guess one of the difficulties would be that it's not seated and like tickets aren't you know you can't organize people like in locations because it's just a you know a festival a big festival is almost like a town um everybody just goes wherever they want within it so i guess you'd have to do something like the yeah, vaccine passports or, or mass testing to make sure that everybody's not got it before they enter they, i don't feel like there'd be much to stop it spreading if it was in there you know unless they really really changed up the format like drastically because hmm. the whole the whole appeal of festivals rather than a concert is kind of that like you just got so much freedom to if you get bored halfway through a set you can just leave and go wander somewhere else. Yeah, I think the the good thing about a festival as well it is outside and transmission rates outside are much lower than inside. I mean, you do have those kind of portals which I imagine would be quite dodgy for COVID, but um, I mean, if everyone's kind of taking the precautions, I. I don't see really why it would um, be so bad, to be honest. Like, I mean, we in the UK, we're um, we got um, quite a big vaccine rollout by now, and and by the time they want these festivals out, a lot of people in the UK are going to have their vaccine. I just hope it's going to be okay. I think it will be. Mm. Let, let's wait and see. I guess what you're going to do about a mosh pit, though, that's the big thing. That's for me, what would happen where there'd be lots of transmissions because you're so close to people, like zero personal space. Um, <laughs> and how do you stop that as well? If you just, even if you just like move the barriers back, then a new mosh pit would form further back. So it doesn't really, I, I, I don't even know what to do about that. Would you like 20 hands in your face? Well, I've got the opportunity for you. <laughs> I just remember like one time I was I was in a, one of the big crowds um, um, waiting for the act to start and I had some biscuits like a big pack of chocolate chip cookies or something and I just I just put my arm up in the air like thrust it out the top of the crowd and I was like who wants a cookie and all these hands just came up around me and I was just passing them around <laughs> can't do that anymore sadly until those um that, that can That's come amazing. back <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant 
I want to take a bag of biscuits just to do that. That sounds amazing. Oh, you make lots of friends, trust me. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I think that's true for even outside a festival. <laughs> you go, go around the <laughs> People want cookies and they'll be like, yes, please. Yeah, life pro tip there. Oh, dear. On that note, that is the end of the news for this week. We will be back next week with more news. Coming up next, uh, albums with lyrics not in English. Okay, so my idea for talking about albums of lyrics not in English, um, because I want to specify that rather than just albums from different countries, because then I think being English, I feel like it's kind of, you know, more similar. Um, I think people tend to often just stick to the language that, that they speak, their first language. Um but actually, I feel like people end up missing out on a lot of music by doing that because I've more recently tried to branch out a bit and just discovered there's just so much great music in other parts of the world and other languages, which makes perfect sense. You think about it. Why would there not be? But it just is sometimes a bit out of your comfort zone. So I kind of wanted to talk about how people might view um, music in different languages as a whole or different to their first language and uh, yeah, try and try and encourage people to do so a bit more. If you don't already. So first question, I guess, is um to you both, how important are the lyrics or how important is understanding the lyrics? So, you know, how is it different for you if you don't understand the language that the lyrics are in? I've got probably a quite um specific opinion about this. And this is you know, I don't think many people are gonna have this problem, but um I studied languages when I was at school and I did um during my degree I did a module called Global Literatures which was about specifically this books that were either part in English part in another language that were written in one language then translated into English you know lots of these different translation problems um, and it, it was really interesting because you find that lots of words just cannot be translated full stop so you know there are lots and lots of things even like um, uh, my favourite book actually my favourite book is Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie there are multiple um, times in that book where phrases aren't translated and words aren't translated I think there's one for uh, Aya which is um, it's like nurse motherly figure you know um, it's like nanny but it's not it's not any of that because it can't be translated it's Aya you know, so that word was deliberately left untranslated. Most of the rest of the text is in perfectly good English. It's just that was not translated. Um, yeah, the idea of like jumping between languages and like, you know, getting a translation is quite an interesting idea in the first place. And, you know, how far do you go to make it perfect? Does it actually convey the meaning that you want, you know, and is it actually for the people that you want to talk to? It's a really, really interesting question. Um, and I could probably talk about it for hours, so I'm not going to um, go nuts on it. But I do have. Um, a song which may help us think about that topic a little further. Yeah, for me, I think having music in other languages, I think it brings a lot of variety because there's certain rhythms to certain languages that you just don't get in English. Um, the first one comes in to mind is like I don't know Cantonese, like the kind of short phrases and short like syllables really go well with some music, and it just wouldn't work in. English, where we got short words, but we also got like uh, longer words. Um, and when I'm listening to this kind of international music with different uh, different languages, a lot of the songs I won't I won't bother looking at the translations. But some songs I'm like, you hear the emotion in the singer's voice, and you're like, what are they really singing about? And 
Mm. Sometimes I do need to. I like. I really want to know what they're what they're singing about. In general, like I can listen to most songs like if they it comes in a different language. I it's just like music to me, and it's like vocals is just another instrument. And like if you're listening to a guitar, really that you could say that's in another language that no one understands. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of thinking about it. I'm I'm pretty much on that side. I think. Um, I used to listen to lyrics a lot when I was younger about things. I just, but just naturally, it would be something I paid attention to. And when I first started listening to things in different languages, I would go and look up translations. But as time's gone on, I've actually kind of just listened to it more in its original language and not even bothered to translate it. Which maybe I'm missing out on something, but I do enjoy it a lot as it is. Um, yeah, like you said about the flow. That's um, when I so an album that I mentioned a couple of weeks back by um, Stromae, who sings in. French or raps in French. Um, for that, I don't perfectly understand all the translation, but um, just the way that he delivers things and going from soft to aggressive, you can still really appreciate that despite you know not understanding a word of it necessarily. So, yeah, you, you can still get things out of it, or I think I can still get things out of it anyway. Mm. Um, and then if if the lyrics, if the lyrical content is good, that can be just sort of an extra cherry on top. It's not necessarily uh, completely essential for me to enjoy it. You know, if it's good, it's just a bonus. It's quite interesting. That's um, yeah. For me, it's kind of like a bit half and half because I've got um, yeah, it's a bit half, it's a bit half and half because like there are some songs where I uh, got into them because I learned Spanish. You know, I did I I did learn Spanish for about five years at school. I haven't practiced in a while, but I still have a bit of a muscle there where I can still like listen to things and go, okay, I roughly know what they're saying. Um. But even then, like when I was at university, I did it for like my first year at university. And like it was great fun just like going on nights out. But we were pre to loads of songs in Spanish because, yeah, may as well get some practice in. And it was just stupid and it was good fun, you know. And it was kind of you got a bit of high because you kind of knew what the song was saying, whereas a lot of people didn't. And it was kind of weird because you felt like you were in this kind of club. I know what they're talking about. So in that sense, that's quite a slightly elitist way of looking at um music that isn't in english but also on the flip side of that um there are also a lot of songs where i've listened to them and again they're in spanish or you know whatever and i can figure out the story and i learn the story um we're you know we thought about the suggestions for this and we thought about different albums to listen to i i, I mentioned um manar which is sueños liquidos liquid dreams literally you know uh, or, or 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 lucid dreams um there's a track on there um, in La Muelle de San Blas, in the in, in in San Blas Lake, in the lake in San Blas, um, which is a song about this spirit, about this really ghostly figure that comes in and out of the lake. And um, what was what was the um, chorus to it? Um, sola sola con, con su espíritu, so, alone, alone with your spirit. Just this idea of this spirit being um, alone, this ghostly figure, you know, being alone in the lake in this creepy lake. When you can figure that out and start to hear the 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 idea behind it, I assume it's the same thing that you get with like any sort of like um, narrative you get in songs. You get it a lot in like you know, um like prog rock and in metal, where you know you get these very like mythological ideas that run through them. Um, but you just get that same idea. It's like, oh my god, I figured out what the story is. That's really really cool, and you get a bit of a buzz from it. But then. Yeah. Also, there are some songs where, like, I can just appreciate it and go, "This is absolutely beautiful." I don't care what they're saying. This is still absolutely beautiful. 
I, those are those are a bit rarer, but also, yeah, from my end, it's 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 really cool. Once you understand what they're saying, you kind of feel <laughs> part of the club. That sounds really cliquey, but it's also kind of true. Yeah, it's a bit of an achievement, I guess. So you feel like you've unlocked a bit of a different layer to it that, mm, mm. that you didn't have. I feel like there's been a few albums recently that have kind of come into the mainstream, at least in like, um, you know, Anglo-centric audiences that I've noticed. So one of them I picked up on was um, Etage by Mochat Domar, but she probably, it, it, heard, it was um, one of the songs that was used quite a lot in like memes. So I feel like people will have heard it if they even didn't know what it necessarily means. Um, yeah, you might recognise it. Um, the other day I was just listening to, <laughs> I had um, I had like a Thai takeaway and I was like, maybe I should try and get into the spirit of this bit more. So I just put on, um, initially I was going to go for classic music from Thailand, but I thought, actually, no, I'm just going to listen to the charts because I feel like maybe that's a better representation of what it's actually like at this moment in time. Um, although then the number one turned out just to be Justin Bieber. So I was like, well, um, kind of missing the point slightly. <laughs> that's not quite what I intended, but it was, um, Damn Anglophonism. The rest of it was actually quite good. Yeah. Very, um, I noticed just from that one uh, evening, I noticed quite a lot of um, lo-fi hip-hop almost styles, which is something I had absolutely no idea what to expect going into it, but that was something that seemed to be a bit of a common theme. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that, actually. Yeah, Thailand has a lot of uh, kind of singing competitions and like rap competitions as well. So, you know, the voice, like they just have a rap version of that. <laughs> nice. Well, actually, watch that. It's like a rap battle TV show. Basically. <laughs> yeah, one song that I want to mention is Can't Change Me by Chris Cornell. So the original version, I believe, is English, but he has a French version as well. And Ooh. I just believe this this French version is so, so much better. And like, I know a bit of French. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm fluent in French, but kind of, I... You can recognise words and you're just like, oh, that means that and that means that. And it's so satisfying when you hear that. Of course, I've listened to the original, so some of it kind of crosses over and I, I understand because I know the like the English version. But I don't know, the French just brings so much more. It kind of, I guess it's just because of my kind of, I kind of relate French and some other European music to kind of like romantic music. But it feels... Like there's so much more emotion and like romance in the French version. Plus, they, he does add like a few more instruments, like an accordion somewhere, which kind of sets the mood a bit more. But yeah, Classic. I I, re- I really love it. And obviously, if I had a choice, it'd be a French version. That was one thing I was going to ask. Just how similar? You've got two versions. How similar are they? Are they same tempo, same key, same instruments? Um, yeah. So same same tempo, same key. Uh, French version, the same instruments, but then adds the accordion. And I think there's something else as well. And I think there may be some other vocalists somewhere, if I remember right correctly. Um, mm. But everything else seems to be the same, uh, but the lyrics and some other instruments. It's, yeah, I, I do recommend that song. I know it, I know it's from a, like an English speaking artist mainly, but I thought it's. it's, it's yeah, having different versions is an interesting one. Can I bring up a chat and tangent on that subject, especially English and French? I thought about this, and I know at least one artist who is designed completely to be bilingual. Christine and the Queens makes a big point 
uh, and she did for her first album, Charlotte Oman, um, of making a French version and a English version. And I will say the English version, like it's not a first language, but it, it does have some of the best lyrics I've ever listened to on an album. It is so intricate and it is so, um, there's so much vivid imagery in it. I was really surprised. Um, well, it's kind of funny because I, 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 I wondered why she needed a French version in the first place. But of course, that's thinking about it the wrong way. It was designed to be in French and then she translated it stunningly into English. Um, so that could be quite an interesting thing if we want to test it live on the air. There is, um, I think, one of the loose singles was Tilted, which, to be fair, is one of the best pop songs of, of the 2010s. I'm just saying it was an amazing song. <laughs> but the English version is called Tilted. The French version is called Christine. Um, both the same. Identical tracks in terms of instrumentation and key and everything else. But the lyrics are very different. If we did want to test this, that could be a very interesting way. Listen to one song and then listen to the other. See if you can pick anything up. Shall we have a listen to it quickly and then come back and... Invite other people if you're listening to to pause and listen to it as well. Mm. Partly because it's just it, it's just a good track, but you know if we want to test this, I thought I kind of thought actually this could be a really good way to test it and think about it. The French version is Christine, so Christine by Christine and the Queens. The English version is Tilted. Okay, let's have a listen then quickly. Nice one. We will take a quick break. Go and listen to Christine and the Queens. So we just listened to both versions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what do people think? I mean, I didn't actually, yeah, I didn't, genuinely didn't realise there was a second version or, you know, I guess that's probably the first version is the French one, to be honest. Mm. I happened to find the lyrics on Genius because I was literally curious as to what some of the words are. Um, and Genius even said that um, Tilted, the English version, which I suspect many of our listeners be more familiar with, is a reinterpretation of the French version. So French came first, then English version. That's quite the interpretation. I'm doing my face with a magic marker. I'm in my right place. Don't be a downer. Wow. That's a line. That's a line. Yeah, and it often doesn't have direct in, um, translations, does it? Like you mentioned, it's um, like just comparing the first sort of couple of lines on each song. I've not saying the same thing at all really mm. same um you know idea overall but twisting it to make it a better uh way of using those that language i guess mm. and even then it's really really creative really vivid really mythical imagery which is really interesting to me like even even first couple of lines like you said i'll die i'll die way before methuselah so i'll fight sleep with ammonia it's like wow okay that's not what I expected, but also this is really good. Yeah, I think when you're listening to the English version, I guess you can kind of feel there's kind of a French person kind of speaking English, like the kind of the rhythm, how how she's saying the English words, which I I don't have a problem with. It sounds really awesome. But listening to both versions, I do feel like, you know, three quarters in, she kind of goes into this French sort of, Kind of, she's, I don't know what she's doing, speaking, rapping, whatever you want to call it. Mm. I think that works a lot better in the English version because you're kind of like taken away a bit into a kind of a different realm. And it's, it's a jump, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think that works really, really well. But 
Yeah, the French version it looked just as good, to be honest. Yeah, I guess you'd call out the bridge, maybe. It, it's in, yeah, it's the same in both the French and English versions. I, I didn't realise until I just looked it up then. Mm. Um, yeah, I recognise that bit because I sort of know the sound of it from the English one. I don't necessarily know what it's saying, but I know how it sounds to my ears. Um, was very familiar. Mm. But I guess, like, Christine and the Queens has kind of always been a bit of an artist, like, with a centering like, centering around duality. Um like Chris versus Christine and the Queens as well um, from the next album, I think. So, yeah, really interesting that that she's um, keeping that, yeah, the two sides, two versions, and I guess they're quite in parallel to each other, implementing both in one. So like you said, James, you can sort of hear the French accent, I guess, in the English version, which I think actually adds to it, I'd say. Mm. Pretty nice. I think Christine Queens is a bit of a unique example anyway, because like you said, she is very much about duality. She has this very, very uh, strong, very, very um, characterful, um, I don't know what you call it, persona as an artist. Maybe it's just her. But like, you know, she is all about, like you said, this duality between um, Chris and Christine, between um, English and French as well. Like, you know, it it all mirrors in the the music. I love the fact that she has that much vision for her music. That's why I am so fond of her. I really adore her to old stuff more than new stuff. But, you know, I still really love the idea and I really, really admire her as an artist. But um, yeah, it just kind of dawned on me. I just, I I kind of thought thought of that track and I thought, actually... This is a solid track anyway. And actually, it's a really good case study. Is there any difference? Yeah, good one. I feel like a lot of people know Tilted as the English version. Um, it was quite a big hit at the time. Mm. Yeah, I've actually not listened to anything else really other than that. So I think I'll need to. That whole album is spectacular. Um, yeah, English version might be a bit more accessible. But even then, I think like the French version is still majoritively French, but there are only English portions in it, which is still interesting. See how the two jump and interact. and then. The English version is the other way around. You still get French accents every now and again, but most of it is in English. And it's just really interesting how the two combine. And also, it's just really good pop music. Like, I don't know about anybody else, but that Tilted is produced so well. And the sounds are so strong and so characteristic. Yeah, for sure. Also, just as an aside, I I watched it on YouTube for whatever reason, rather than listening to it on Spotify this time. And um, just reminded me how good her and her groups dancing oh, is spectacular. just incredible that's that's the other thing as well you haven't seen it really go on youtube and either watch the music video or just watch like a live performance from yeah from a festival or from a concert um really something else really adds to it it's like a new gender fluid michael jackson it's freaking amazing i'm all for this <laughs> yeah it's, it's great really does add to it i think yeah i'm watching it now it it looks pretty awesome yeah, yeah. i like <laughs> amazing i do like the michael jackson reference as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jumping off this topic, we're going to go into our international lyrics tangentially related game of uh, the tentatively called Translation Station. So, if you remember this from previous episode, I have found some quite well known lyrics and translated them into different languages and then back to English uh, to see how well it fares. Um, honestly, I just fall back to using Latin a lot. Latin really gets me. Um, <laughs> Oh, Latin. Such a classic. Um, also, why aren't there any songs in Latin? That would be, be... I mean, I know why, but that would be great. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm just getting flashbacks to the life of Brian. Just like, you know, just like, what's this saying? It says, Romans, go home. No, it doesn't. I <laughs> just start giving him a grammar lesson. Or if, <laughs> imagine if there was a song which was a grammar lesson about Latin. Oh my God, I'd listen to that. I'd listen to that. 
if you have a song and play it in enough versions of like European languages, then you you got basically got Latin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want this to be a new a new uh, genre now. And also, like this isn't even Latin America, just like because that's that's you know there is Latin music on that sense, but oh. <laughs> the language. Uh, anyway, <laughs> something for another time to try out. Yes. Anyway. So. Since there's only two of you who are going to be playing this, um, we can have a bit of a 1v1 buzzer system. Oh, jeez, okay. Tom v. James. We will need a buzzer, won't we? James has sent one to the... I haven't actually used it. Oh, I need to create the game system. I just saw it in light. Oh, maybe this will work. <laughs> Very well, if you're listening to this. Game code one nine two nine five one. Oh yeah, sorry, it's in the chat. It's in the chat. One nine two nine five one. That's really cool. These both sound exactly the same. How I can't tell who's. I could buzz. <laughs> <laughs> this is not even like gonna be difficult to get at all like you're gonna get it immediately but it's still i just want to read out because it's funny um is this real life is this just a dream james oh wow it worked okay you buzzed um bohemian <laughs> rhapsody yes we carry on yeah he was seized by an earthquake there is no escape <laughs> earthquake <in the> <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to cover up the practice one. Buzz's okay. work. Um, okay, so song one. Scary at first. Petrification. I thought I couldn't live without you. But then I spent oh, no. so many what nights. Is it? <laughs> James. Um, is it tragedy? No. Oh. No. Oh, God. I know what it is. This is one of the songs which I, I, know, I know it, but I don't know the name. But then I spent so many nights thinking about how you made a mistake with me and I got stronger and I learned how to get along. Oh, um, oh God, I know it. What is the song called? <laughs> I'm out. I, I give in. <laughs> I know what the song is. I just don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's weird. I'm trying to like put... I, kn I know it, but I don't know it. Like, <laughs> I can't do it. I'm defeated. <laughs> I can sing it in my head. I don't know what it's called. It's so obvious, but it's just like not working in my head. Can you hear it like in your head? Almost. Yes, I can hear it. Every, oh, okay. every, I can hear everything. Okay, I, can't. I know what song it is. I just don't know what it's called. <laughs> this was uh, also Japanese was used for this one. Um, should I just tell you? Yes, I need to know. I will survive. Yes. It is uh, that, isn't it? <laughs> Tragedy was on the right lines. This is the same. Yeah, I don't know. My... I was listening to it and it was like, my mind was completing it into tragedy. <laughs> Not, I will survive. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it again? It's, it's, Scary it's first. Gloria Gaynor, isn't it? Yeah. God's sake. Well done. <laughs> Point to Jess. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great start. Um, there's a certain line in this next one that you are going to, if you don't get it by this point, you will know it then. Um, Song two. That's not the song. Um, I oh, shame. <laughs> I'm about to buzz in. 
That's just <laughs> question two. You are you, my little buddy. They do a great cry of it. Playing in the way to be a big man at times is a lamb of God. And I got mud in the face. You big oh. disgrace. Um. Oh. We will we rock, rock you. you. <laughs> oh, okay. That was oh, that Tom was Tom. Tom. Buzzed in. Oh, I can see Tom's at the top. Oh, okay, yeah. Fair. One all. <laughs> um, I'm just going to finish the rest of it. Kicking can be done in all the place with the song. <laughs> Kicking can be done. We will, <laughs> we will contrive whom I stood up, and we will be. That's we will we will rock you. To <laughs> clarify, Latin. Uh, you make me laugh. It's always you always manage to get like Lamb of God in Latin. I don't understand <laughs> what the obsession is with the Lamb of God. Yeah, I was like, is this a song by Lamb of God? Like, what's happened here? <laughs> <laughs> So point to Tom. What is Lamb of God? Is it like boy or something? Or like kid or something? What's the actual line? It um, might be, yeah. Playing in the street, trying to be a big man someday. That's the line, big isn't man. it? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know where the Lamb of God came from. Um, right, question three. Holy envy turned to the sea. A part of the nose, it seems he badly lullabies at harvest. But just to pay the price for you, I call it fate? Question mark. Open your eyes and plot. I, bright side. I've got nothing. Is wait? What was the last line? <laughs> yeah, come on, each <laughs> James. I'm not actually sure, but you said bright side, so I'm just going to guess Mr. Brightside. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what gave it away. That's the only thing. <laughs> It's a direct copy. <laughs> then again, I, I always struggle with the lyrics to Mr. Brightside anyway, so to be honest, this is kind of news to me. This could have been the actual thing, for all I know. That was point to James. It's 1-0 right now. It's 2-1, isn't it? Is it 2-1? To James. I will admit, I am losing. Yeah, I think it might be. <laughs> all right. Well, that was, a, that was a practice one at the start. I'm sorry, so. yeah, I apologise that... Um... We didn't get that straight away. No one got I Will Survive. <laughs> oh yeah, it might be 1-1 one, one then. Yeah. <laughs> right, question four. I do not remember September 21 last night. Love starts changing images. Wait, Clouds hang on. It's Earth, Wind and Fire, September. Yeah, <laughs> that was but you do, do you remember? It's What? That's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done, Tom. Uh, I love the clouds and wind at the end. It makes it sound like a haiku. So two on to Tom on that one. I don't remember the 21st of September. That's the sequel song that answers the question, maybe. <laughs> that's, the, that's the after. I do remember the morning of 22nd of September. <laughs> um, all right, question five. Soon after, the small town of the girl, alone in the world, and he took the line, and at any time in the night, as a child in the don't city... Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> hey. oh, Good one. I've... Um, if you didn't get it already by then, like you would have got by the next line. Born and raised in South Detroit. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> which hasn't changed. <laughs> Under the night and in darkness, wherever they went. Wherever they went. Wherever yeah, that's actually just the Glee version. That's just the straight up lyrics lifted from that. Brilliant. Um, three, one to Tom. James, you've got two more questions, so okay. you can Come on. Pull we it can back level to it. Draw. We can level the game. Believe in you, James. I don't because I've got to beat you. But or make the last the last song like ten points. 
Hang on a minute. (laughs) What are we on? Question six? I've lost track. I don't know. Um, Next question. (laughs) I am so lonely. I must admit that I still believe. I'm lost when I'm not with you. Give me a sign. Hit me again, baby. James. Hit me, baby, one more time. Yes. Is that the actual track title? (laughs) It was literally that. Is it that long? Okay. Dot, 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 baby, one more time, as far as I could tell. I like that the last line is just the same words, but moved in a slightly different order. Um, Okay, so last one. This one really makes me laugh, actually. Um, Sing. You're a pianist. (laughs) Sing us a song tonight. (laughs) Okay. We are all thinking of a melody. You make us feel good. I got nothing. James, looking like you're on you're on the edge of like James. James is desperate to get this. He so wants even can, the point. Can we do it again? Can we go through <laughs> it again? Go on then, repeat it. Sing. You are a pianist. Sing us a song tonight. Okay, we are all thinking of a melody. You make us feel good. <sighs> no, I, I can't. I can't. I don't have it. Tom, do you have anything? Oh, I've got nothing. I've got Jack. I just. <laughs> No. My only guess, and I'm, this is not this is not an official guess, is it something by Elton John? It's not by Elton John, but it's a fair guess. Mm. Yeah, I've got nothing. I've well, no I'll idea. just read you the English version. Go on then. I don't think this. Sing us a song. You're the piano man. You're telling me you still don't know it? Nope. Got nothing. It's piano man. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this? Oh. Yeah. I never know what you guys are gonna know, or what you're not gonna know. That's that's it. That's the answer. It's Piano Man. Is that it? No, I was gonna say. Oh, yeah. I'm like, is that? Too oh, obvious? Billy Joel. What? <laughs> well, there we go. Start with a bang, Andrew. A fizzle. Well, well done, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, Tom wins this Thank round. Thank you very much. What's my prize? Do I win anything? No. You need to no. go listen to Piano Great. Man. There we are. That's your. I am the winner of nothing at all. Well, yeah, that was a. Um... <laughs> Could wait to end the second. Your prize is that you get to review an album at the end of this podcast. Oh, Yay. goody. What well, is coming up now? I get to do it right now. Uh, so that was music in uh, non-English languages and then the translation game. Coming up, a review of Kira Kira Benito Civilization 2. So then, reviews for this week. Uh, only one review, and rather a short one, actually. Uh, Kira Kira Benito on Wednesday released Civilization 2, their uh, second EP, which I presume is going to be a follow-up to uh, Civilization 1 from 2019. Uh, and indeed, yep, check it in Spotify bio. I just thought I'd double-check that before I began. Um, a sequel to 2019's Civilization 1, Civilization 2 tells self-manufactured myths using vintage hardware only, and plays with the temporal. I'm, I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, I do know I quite like it. It was quite fun. Free track EP um, from these guys. Uh, Princess on the Clock was probably standout one for me. That's the first track on here, which tells of this um, princess um, stuck in a chamber 
who makes pictures of her homeland, which is a very interesting idea, um, just lyrically. And then um, musically and tonally, it's got all the same features that I quite liked in Civilization 1, I'll be honest. Um, just one slight tangent, I am quite disappointed that there seems to be no uh, resemblance to uh, my Civilization video games. I'm sure I'm not the only person to pick up on this. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Tom. <laughs> the, 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 this may be because I am of a certain age, but we're going to gloss over that fact. But yeah, no relation. But to be fair, it's all, it's really light. It's really, really um, odd that it all feels very, very nice and light. Nothing feels very, very intense. They've got um, big vocal samples and um, uh, vocal, I don't know what you call it. They just completely manipulated to mess with it to make these vocal, to make these um, melody lines throughout the track. Um, we've got these quite light, airy drum machines and these very 90s-style synthesizers, which, to be fair, this is becoming a theme at this point. I think I'm beginning to understand the kind of music that we all collectively like, the four of us as a group, because um, it is stuff like this. It was great fun, quite enjoyed it. Uh, 210420, I presume, is going to be about some particular occasion, which would have been uh, sometime in lockdown. I don't quite know when. But... Um, yeah, that was quite a fun little track. Bit more mellow than the rest. Um, well rested, I didn't really get along with. That's the third track on this album. I didn't really get along with it. Maybe I just need a bit more time. Um, and overall, I actually really prefer Civilization 1. I listened to that before reviewing this one. I'd listened to that through the week. Um, and I really preferred it. It felt more punchy. It felt like we got a bit more spunk to it. That's not to say that this is uh, a bad album by any means. I just really preferred Civilization 1. Um, I did enjoy 2. It was good fun to listen to. But... It didn't feel all that memorable beyond what Kira Kira Benito do already. And if I wanted to do that, I may as well just listen to some of their other stuff. I don't know. It's not necessarily a bad album. It's just not something that really um, struck me. Um, and <laughs> I kind of love this. I did check out the Spotify bio before reading this. Perhaps I shouldn't have done um, because it's just reading through here. The trio who produce every part of their output and control their own uh, career path have a massive, uh, super-sized fan base in the short time they've been together. For scale, 175 million streams with over half of their audience under the age of 22. Well, great. That's a great start for me, isn't it? I'm 23, going on 24, uh, and I think we're all above the age of 22 with this <laughs> podcast, so already I feel out of touch. Um, but to be fair, I, I say that. I feel as though I'm bashing them a bit i don't mean to um i just thought this could have been a bit more and i kind of want a bit more from it i kind of thought this might be a little bit um i thought it might have a bit more to it and i kind of felt a bit underwhelmed perhaps i'm wrong perhaps i am the only one who feels that way but yeah kira kira benito it was a fun lesson i don't think i'm necessarily going to listen to it again i prefer one to two if they were to come out with number three tomorrow would you listen to it um, I give it a go on the false hope that it might reflect uh, civilization. It's in my civilization. <laughs> no, I say that. Yeah, I, I probably would. You're right. You probably would. Um, it's what it's a bit peculiar. I presume there is a good reason why they've um, decided to release these two EPs mm. um, side by side, and they did Civilization One back in 2019, and now they're doing Civilization Two. So I was going to say they've done like full feet, three uh, full feature length albums, mm. um, which. It's interesting. I like that they're kind of using EPs as a tangent. If they are doing that, I don't quite understand why they've done it this way, but I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I'm going to do a bit more digging and see what I can uh, find out about them. I must admit, though, I am a newcomer to Kira Kira Benito, hence, you know, I've only listened to currently Civilization 1 and 2. I do want to listen to the album. I do want to see what they're about because I do like the overall sound. I like the vibe. 
it's all part of this. It all feeds into this kind of nostalgia wave that's coming in. So, you know, and, and definitely has arrived, let's be honest. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, I really, really enjoyed Civilization 1. I didn't quite enjoy Civ 2 as much. Um, but yeah, I am definitely intrigued by these guys. I really want to find out more about them. Nice. Thanks for finding out for us what it's like. No worries. I dare say, I, I want to say that Will is a fan of theirs as well. So I don't know if he's going to have some strong uh, comments when he comes back next time. I'll be interested to debate <laughs> them. Um, and I think we are nearly at the end. Upcoming releases um, is the only thing left. Um, Manchester Orchestra are coming out with uh, The Many Masks of God. Girls in Red, if I could uh, make it go quiet, that is coming out uh, next week, I believe on Friday. Uh, a few which I'm particularly interested in. Um, Royal Blood are coming out with Typhoons. Uh, the Coral have got Coral Island coming out, and Birdie has got Young Heart coming out. Three artists which I have had interest in before. I'm curious to see what they're bringing out now. I must admit, I have no other information on what the releases actually entail. Will normally does that kind of stuff for us. So, yes, Will, we're missing you. Please come and do the research next time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're coming out next week. The one I'll be looking into is um, Teenage Fan Club with the new album Endless Arcade. I'm a bit of a teenage fan club nice. fan. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I haven't. Um, they've they've still done a few good songs in recent years. They've been going for a while. I mean, I think like Pete is probably back in the nineties, but they've still brought some good things recently. So, yeah, I'll check that out and see if there's any good singles from it. Nice. At least. I definitely will be checking out the Royal Blood one as well because I know I like I like their sound, but I think they kind of sometimes fall into the trap of having just that one sound and then. A lot of their songs sound very similar, but I mean the sound is good. So let's see, let's see what they do for this one. It is a good sound, but it's one of those things where Royal Blood. I um, I know them for one sound, and that is a Royal Blood sound. Yeah. So that I, they're kind of trapped in the box. So that will be intriguing to see where they get, where they go with this one. Yeah, Coral is a great band from the two thousands, and Birdie also. Just like I'm really interested to see what she's doing in a new album. Um, so yeah, I'll report on one or both and see where we go. Big release, big big week for releases. I'm intrigued. Yeah, we're all very excited by this. This is this is rare. Yeah. Has this happened before? Can we get everybody <laughs> to do a, a review for one week? <laughs> we'll just do a whole week of just reviews for the whole. I'm not sure if that would go down well, but. <laughs> well you know let's try it and see if it happens <laughs> to be fair you'll find out if it works or not because it will be in next week's episode or it won't be so you don't have long to wait uh, yeah I think that's it yeah. any final thoughts from anybody please remember if you're listening to we could really do some reviews on iTunes and ratings on iTunes yes um, and we have our Twitter account at Unmuted Weekly so please uh, follow us and you can tweet at us if any uh, any of your thoughts on what we've been talking about this week? Any albums of foreign lyrics that you um that you think you want to recommend, or any of your thoughts on what lyrics mean to you, or anything really? Um, any good or bad things that you think you want to tell us? We would really appreciate the uh, the feedback. But that's about it. That was a message from um, our resident sales rep, uh, Jess. Uh, and that's it from us. You're definitely our resident sales rep. <laughs> I, I was the one who forgot that we even had a Twitter in the first place. So, you know, I'm not going to be very good at this job. I do marketing for a career. I don't do it for music. <laughs> we just need to set up a PO box so he can, can actually mention a PO box. Then he'll be happy. <laughs> no. <laughs> we get strongly worded letters about our opinions on Arctic Monkeys. Brilliant. You had to get it in somewhere just before we end. I got it in. I got it in this week. <laughs> Found it again. 
Oh, man. That's it for us this week. Thank you very, very much for watching. Uh, this was also episode 10. I've just realized we passed episode 10. We're in double digits and we haven't even mentioned wow. it today. Uh, we'll have a party yeah. for the 11th episode. I don't know if we're going to do that. Maybe for the 20th. Who knows? Well, to be fair, when it's 18, it will be legal to drink. So we might do it then. We're going to float it until then. Oh, are we going to do a drinking episode? Uh, maybe. Did we mention that before? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do something for episode 18 anyway. When it's legal to drink, then we'll let you know. Uh, and that's it from us. Thank you very much for watching. Have a great day and see you next time. Watching. <laughs> I said watching, didn't I? Listening. You know what I mean. <laughs>
Like, I'm not even a big theatre fan, really. Mm. Like, I don't, uh, I'm not a, a big, you know, nerd into it, whatever. I'm very much casual, but like, I still think it'd be really cool to use, like, you know, like how La La Land does that a bit. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it kind of uses things that aren't quite like realistic and colours are a bit too bright and things. And the, yeah, sometimes it uses, it, it looks like it should be on wires. But you don't acknowledge it, even though it's a film, a live action film. It has a mystique. Yeah. It's in that kind of, kind of uncanny valley. It's not quite real life. Mm. Yeah. More films should do that. That kind of idea of uncanny valley sort of thing reminds me of, um, you know, in like kung fu movies or something. And they're like doing these oh. a million yeah. spins and like they're like walking in the air, just like. Love that. Even like the modern films have that. Like it's so obviously fake, but that's what you need for that film. It's like, but it, it yeah. still feels cool. It works so he's well. Like, he's doing these things. Yeah, it's so cool. So unrealistic, but I love it. Yeah, that is really cool. Actually, the reason that made me think of it is because I still maintain that like I would rather go and see, well, I would have actually gone gone and see the new Lion King if they had just got the people from the stage show in the costumes from the stage show and just gone and put them in like the environment in the countryside and filmed that that would have been incredible that would have been so cool I just want to see it with people pretending to be lions just the idea of a countryside just like I thought they'd been in English countryside immediately and just thought oh, look, there's a cow in the background Ooh. yeah it was a low budget version like walking past Stonehenge <laughs> <laughs> that's Pride Rock yeah <laughs> and Pumba's just a pig he's not actually he's not actually a warthog he's just a pig <laughs> 